Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So I was at an event recently when someone asked me what Girls' Night is all about. I told them that here on the show, we talk about anything and everything that you'd actually talk about with your real-life best friends at a real-life girls' night. That pretty much covers it, right? Well, one of the things my friends and I have spent a lot of time talking about in the last few years is where we live. Where we live is a really big deal. Our homes are where our lives happen. Our cities are where our people are. And so making decisions about where we want to be located and what kind of house we want to live in, those are really important things to talk about. And because so much rides on these decisions, everything from finances to family to our lifestyles, I am so glad that I haven't had to figure these things out by myself. You guys may know this, but one of my very closest friends here in Nashville is Hannah Seymour. Hannah's been on Girls' Night a bunch of times, and she's actually the one who connected me with her amazing realtor, Cindy Easley, who also happens to be Hannah's mom. Cindy has walked Carl and I through the process of buying and selling our house a few times now, and I'm so grateful for her. Buying a home can feel really scary, but it's been so much easier and so much less intimidating when I've had my friends, but also one of my friend's amazing moms to walk me through it. That's why I can't wait to share this episode with you. Friends, we're talking about how to buy a home for the first time, and my hope is that this episode will make it far less intimidating. In this episode, Cindy is going to walk us through all of this. She's going to talk to us about how to figure out if we're ready to buy a home and what to consider when we're starting that process. She's going to talk to us about our finances and how to figure out the financial part of buying a home. We'll talk about things like down payments, mortgages, credit scores, loans. We're going to talk about how to find a real estate agent and a lender that you trust. Super important. Again, I'm so glad that we've had Cindy to walk us through this. She'll talk to us about how to figure out your must-haves for a home, what's realistic to have on your must-have list, and where we might need to compromise a little. And that's just the beginning. Friends, if you're trying to figure out your living situation right now, or if any part of you is wondering if it's time to buy a house and you're trying to like figure out how to do that and what next steps are for you, this episode has your name on it. I cannot wait for you to meet Cindy. She's been this incredible mom figure walking us through this, and that's why I can't wait for you to meet her too. Before we dive in, you guys, fall is coming up next month, which is crazy. And that means that sweatshirt and sweatpants season is just around the corner. That's why I wanted to tell you all about our cozy girls' night signature sweatshirt. We created the original My Favorite Night is Girls' Night sweatshirt shortly after the podcast launched in 2017. And little did we know, we had just created a total fan favorite. Since then, our signature girls' night sweatshirt has become the unofficial uniform of girls' nights all over the world. We've received countless photos from women as they cozy up in their sweatshirts and gather with their girlfriends. It's so fun to see so many women representing the podcast, but even more, celebrating the true magic that happens when we come together as women. Our Girls' Night sweatshirts are so soft, and if you're anything like me and all of my friends, you will find yourself wearing yours all the time. If you haven't gotten a Girls' Night sweatshirt of your own, just go to stephaniemaywilson.com and hit the tab that says shop. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com and just hit the tab that says shop. Okay, with that said, let's jump into the episode. Here's my conversation with Cindy. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with like just a really dear person in my life, Cindy Easley. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh my goodness, my pleasure to be here. I, I really can't believe you asked me. I have to say, okay, so we need to tell everyone who you are. To me, I feel like you are like a Nashville mom to me because my own mom is uh, really far away in Colorado. And I'm borrowing you from someone that we really know here on the show and love, Hannah Seymour, who is your daughter. And Hannah has been on, like we've lost count of how many episodes, like probably six Girls' Night episodes. And so this is Hannah's mom who we are getting to borrow um, as our really our real estate mom today. And I'm so glad about that. Well, I, I'm glad about it too. And and I love the connection with Hannah. In fact, I even thought of that, that um, most of your listeners will know. I mean, that's, I'll be her mom as opposed to a realtor. It's uh-huh. just what I do in, in part of my life, probably the major part right now is real estate. But um, yeah, 
I get to be her mama and grandma to those precious kids. Oh my gosh, they're so great. Well, okay, so give us give us a quick introduction. Tell us, I mean, we sort of just did this, but tell us who you are, what you do, and I want to hear a fun fact about you. And I have uh, no idea what you're going to pick for this. So. Well, I don't either. <laughs> okay, so um, I am in real estate. I have been in real estate for years. Um, you know, some people will say that they're in real estate sales. I really don't say I'm in sales. I say I'm in real estate service. Because my goal, and I hope most realtors you speak with, their goal is to help you in the process of buying or selling a home. I'm not here to sell a house and put a notch on my belt. I'm here to help people purchase a home that fits their needs or to sell a home that no longer fits their needs. So that's pretty much it. Fun fact. Okay, well... I don't know if you know this about me or not, Stephanie, but I have a little bit of a risk factor, which you picked up in Hannah. She has it too. She gets it genetically. But every few years, I have to do something that some people may consider dangerous, such as one time several years ago, I went skydiving. And then I did went um, hang gliding in Israel. And if I've given an opportunity to do something that's a little edgy and scary, I'm going to do it. So that's oh, it. Fun fact. No, I did not know this. You didn't? <laughs> no, but that makes me love you even more. I didn't know that was possible, but yeah, that is that is so amazing. I love that so much. Um, well, okay. So, so like I said, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You have been... Um, l- let me give a little background to kind of how we got to know each other. So Carl and I moved to Nashville eight years ago, crazy. And for the first year we lived here, we lived in an apartment that we found online and we had never seen in person before we moved into it. And we moved into it like two days before our wedding. Uh, So that was crazy. And after we'd been living here for almost a year, Carl had been, you know, kind of watching the real estate market and feeling like, you know, if we want to buy a house, we probably should do it sooner rather than later because there's going to be a point when we can't afford it. Um, He was watching just the market go up. And I had, I think, always wanted to buy a house at some point, but had no idea what the process looked like of trying to, to do that. And I'm glad he was paying attention because the timing was great. And through Hannah, really, uh, that's how we got connected with you. So you helped us buy our first house and then we sold that house and moved into a different house and you helped us buy that house and then you helped us buy this house like six months ago. And so we've been like, you've been our person for a really long time. And the thing that I love most about you and getting to do this with you is that at the very beginning, you told us that you weren't going to let us purchase a house that didn't pass the Hannah test. That's right. And the Hannah test was, would you let your... like? you, Cindy, would I let my daughter buy this house? If not, you guys are not allowed to buy this house. Yeah, And I love that so much because it just is such a huge process. It's really complicated and there's legal stuff and a lot of paperwork, really expensive. And so to get to do that with someone who was going to treat us like her own was so comforting and has been for years. And so that's why I wanted to like introduce you to the Girls Night community because I know there are a lot of women who are thinking about you know, buying a first house and are feeling totally lost. And so I'm kind of hoping that we can apply like the Hannah test, the Hannah treatment to the whole girls night crew. And I just want to pick your brain like crazy about all things home buying because it's scary. It is scary, especially when it's your first time. Actually, it can be scary when it's your second, third or fourth time or fifth or whatever. But um, specifically when it's your first time, because there's so much you don't know. And you want to make sure that you have a realtor that will educate you, that has the experience to educate you, because really it is a learning process. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm delighted to do that. I had a lot of Hannah's friends that I was privileged to work with and to help them, especially with their first homes. And it's, I mean, it's really a cool thing for me to be able to help people, you know, figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think of you as like a matchmaker when you said that you don't feel like you're selling homes. Like it's you're matching families to the place where they'll like be a family. And that's such a, such a great thing. Okay. So first of all, tell me your thoughts on like, how do we figure out when, when we're ready to to buy a home? Okay. What does that look like? No, I think that's a great question. The, the, 
foremost, number one thing is if you're financially ready, uh, which means you need to have a down payment of at least three and a half percent. More is better. And we'll talk about that sometime in this program, I'm sure, but at least three and a half percent. I would encourage you to have an emergency fund because here's the deal. Buying a home or owning a home is expensive, not just the purchasing of the home. And of course, you have to pay insurance and taxes, but things break. And so you need to have that emergency fund for when something breaks, not if something breaks, when something breaks, that you have the funds available to fix it. So that's the biggest thing. I, I think the other thing is how you how stable you feel. If you feel like you're going to be in the city that you're living in at that time when you think you're ready to buy uh, for a while, you, you certainly don't want to purchase if you're going to move in a year. I think that's probably the best things. Now, to figure out if you're ready to buy, the first thing you really need to do financially is speak to a lender. Um, I have a great lender that he will even tell young couples, you need to wait and save X amount of dollars before you, you know, this this would help you this much more if you had 10,000 more dollars. And And I really appreciate that about him because he's looking out for what's best, not just trying to sell a loan. Yeah. So that's that's really important. You got to talk to a lender, have them look at at what you have, your debt, your income, and then be able to figure out what you can afford and and if your market has that available, that home or that price range available. Okay. Okay, I have like 15 questions off of this. I'm sure. <laughs> so so first of all, you said that you want to you want to be relatively stable and that was one of the things that almost kept us from buying a house when we did is that we had moved to Nashville, but I wasn't like, I think my, my, I, my thought was that I needed to be like, I'm going to have, I'm going to retire here or something. If I'm going to purchase a house, I need to think that I'm going to be here for like 10 or 15 years. Do, how long do we need to commit to a place if we're going to buy a house there? Two years is what I say. And here's why. If you sell a house before two years, you own capital gains taxes on that amount. Okay. Um, so on whatever your, your um, not the whole amount, but whatever your profit is in your sale. And so you just want to make sure that you're owning it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I work with clients who move after a year because something changes and they, you know, they find out at the closing table, they're pregnant with twins, something like that. So, <laughs> I don't know who that would be, but didn't exactly happen to us, but... But but they find out that what they purchase isn't going to work is my point. But for the most part, I think two years is good. Also, two years is a good time to be able to get equity out of your house. And we're going to talk probably at some point about what that means. But in a brief, that's your... You want to make a profit. Uh, At at least you want to cut even, uh, which means you're probably, if you're going to break even... You're going to your house is going to have to appreciate enough to at least pay your realtor costs and any other costs associated with selling your house. So, I would say two years is about the minimum. Okay, okay, so that's helpful. And then, um, okay, so you said three and a half percent, and that's your down payment. So that's when you're you know you're looking at a house, and it's if, if it's like a two hundred fifty thousand dollars house, you're saying three and a half percent of that is at least what you need for a down payment. But if you put down more, that can sometimes get you a better loan. Is that true? Well, for one thing, yes, it can. A lot of factors go into not not your loan, but your rate. And well, and yes, I guess your loan. There's there's here's the kind of loans there are. There's an FHA, there's a VA, which you can only qualify for if you're a veteran. Um, or currently in the military, and then a conventional loan, which a lender is going to have they may have special loans, like occasionally a lender will have a first-time home buyer's loan that they're pushing, and it'll be for eight months, or it'll be the first 50 first-time home buyers, or you know, they'll just do little sales, so to speak. Not really, but that's the best way to explain it. But for an FHA loan, the the minimum um, down payment is three and a half percent. You can also get a three and a half percent down payment for a conventional loan. Whether you qualify for the FHA or the conventional has more to do with your credit score. The higher the credit score, the better the loan, the lower the rate than anything. Now, here's the big deal. You have to put 20% down to avoid 
uh, mortgage insurance premium. Mortgage insurance premium is something that's tacked on to your loan and for a conventional loan until you reach 20% equity in the house, basically. So really, the more you save, the more you have to put down, the lower your mortgage insurance premium will be. And again, if you can do the sweet spot of 20% or higher, then you eliminate it altogether, which again, it, it affects how much home you can afford if you're having to pay an extra $200 a month or $100 a month in this insurance, this mortgage insurance premium. Okay. I, I feel like I'm giving you a fire hose to drink out of. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm like, I, I'm familiar enough that I, I can like, I'm like, okay, I can just be like a sieve here. Or <laughs> um, okay. So if we're, we're going to buy a house, the first thing we need to know is how we're going to pay for it. And pretty much nobody has $250,000 as an example sitting in their in their bank account. So you need to find a loan. And before you can like part of the loan is that you have to have a down payment and if you put down 20% then that like if if you put down less than 20% there's an extra fee that's mm-hmm. sort of like hedging their bets and that's the mortgage insurance right but if you can if you can save up to 20% of that amount then you don't have to pay that which means that that can go to like your monthly payment which means you can have you can get a better house right right and there are sometimes there are ways that lenders can help you figure out that 20% like if you have 10% they can get a second loan for another 10%, which it's an immediate equity loan. I'm getting into really higher level stuff, but just know, talk to a lender because sometimes they have ways around it. So how do we find a lender? Like that's not, I don't well, have I a lender on like speed dial. <laughs> is open up Google and type lenders in Nashville or lenders in really, so two things I would do. Talk to your friends who own a home. Find out who they used as their lender and if they liked them, if it was a good experience. Um, And the second thing is talk to a realtor. You might first want to find your realtor. Find somebody you trust, um, um, somebody with experience, somebody who has those connections in the community or has done enough to go, no, I would not use this person. They may not tell you that, you know, in those words, but they may say, well, this is somebody I've worked with for a long time and I really trust them. Okay. Um, because you want to, when you're looking for a lender, and same as a realtor, you want to make sure that it's somebody you trust, somebody that you are comfortable with, because you're going to be spending a lot of time or not necessarily physical time with a lender, but you're going to be talking to them on the phone a lot. You have to have assurance they know what they're doing. And um, you also want to look for rates. So I always tell people, always talk to more than one lender. Because uh, you can kind of have them compete against each other's rates and go ahead and give them. They're going to have to give you a an estimate of costs and you can take that estimate and give it to another lender and say, beat it. See if they can beat it. I mean, you don't say beat it. You go, so here's <laughs> what, what they're offering me. What can you offer me? And see if you can get a better rate. Because that's, especially with rates going up right now, that's, that, that's a smart strategy to have. Okay. Well, okay. So if we're going to, so maybe, maybe before we start going down the lender path or the, how are we going to pay for this necessarily? We're saving up money for down payment. That's just like a given, but we need to find someone who can walk us through this. So what are we looking for in a realtor and what are we not looking for? Okay. So first place to start in looking for a realtor is again, referrals. You want to talk to friends, to family, in the area you're looking, obviously, in that city or, or even county, whatever, however your community is divided, and find out who they use that they really like and trust. So there, an example would be in Nashville, and I, and I need to give the caveat that all real estate is local. You'll hear national figures, but national figures are, are good, like overall um, example of what's going on, but but it's all local. So you want to find someone locally that is has good referral and that you trust. Everyone knows a realtor. You probably know two or three. Back, gosh, a few months ago, they published that there were more realtors in Nashville than there were houses on the market. 
So that's mind boggling to me. It also tells me a whole bunch of people have gotten into the real estate market recently. So one of the things that I encourage you to do is to get an experienced realtor. Now, it's so hard because you probably have a good friend who's just gotten their license and you want to support them and you love them. And if you don't use them, it likely will hurt your relationship. If you are absolutely convinced you have to use your friend with no experience, you make sure that they have a mentor who will walk every step of the way with them. Here's why. It's not just filling out the contract, which is not hard, usually. It's when you get into negotiations. It's when you you get into what inspection items are more important than others. It's when you get into that team that they know, again, this is a good realtor. This is a good inspector. It's having people know how to negotiate in the current market. Because it's different, you negotiate different in a seller's market than in a buyer's market. And the seller's market means the seller has the advantage. Typically, we're kind of getting more balanced in Nashville, but it's when there's not enough inventory and there's more buyers and there are houses on the market, that's a seller's market. If there's more houses than there are buyers, it becomes a buyer's market. And so then the negotiation, the, the buyer holds the cards. And those are two completely different ways to negotiate. You have to know what market you're in and know how to best win that property so that you get the house you want. Yeah. I think, you know, the the friend thing is really tricky. And that's like, I'm so glad that I've never been in that situation when it comes to like buying a house because I would totally be like, I'm just going to hire my friends. But then it could get so messy. And I think my question would be like, is it more likely to potentially hurt your relationship for you to not use this friend or for something about that transaction to go wrong? Like, I, I don't know. I think it would be much more harmful to a relationship to have something go really wrong yeah, if you do use point. someone than, like, than to not use them altogether. Yeah, I mean, just a silly comparison, but how have, have you ever gone to a friend to like have your hair cut and then you find out, you can't stand your hair. And what do you do about that? You can't go back. So, I mean, that's, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. That can damage a relationship as much um, for something to go wrong. Yeah. And it's yeah. much more costly than getting your hair cut. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you want to find, and tell me, I should really know this, but I don't. What is the difference between realtor and real estate agent? Because I know that they're different and I use them. I've always used them interchangeably, but I know that they're not interchangeable. Well, and and most people do. Um, so a realtor, really the, the finest point is that a realtor is a member of the National Association of Realtors. And it, so it means that they've, they've got a little bit higher level of education. Um, they have, we have certain classes we have to take every year. So a realtor doesn't just get their license and sit and do nothing. Um, and it depends on, again, where you're located But an example is in Tennessee, we have to have 16 hours of continuing education every year. So it's it's an important designation um, to have, to be a realtor, not just a real estate agent. Okay. And then a realtor, there's agents and then there's brokers. A broker has more experience, has taken more classes. I'm a broker. So yeah, that's, you've just been in it longer and learn more. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, well, so we, I know that we have women listening who are renting currently and are trying to figure out like if now is the right time to buy or not. And I know a lot of people have been watching the housing market thinking, well, like it's a bubble. It's going to burst at some point, which like, I don't know how much I totally understand. Like, I mean, I, I, I know what that means generally, but I feel like that's something that a lot of people say, but we don't mm-hmm. actually really know what that means. We know that interest rates have risen recently. Like when, how do we figure out when like economically in the world, in the market, it's a good time to buy versus when we should hold off? That is such a good question, Stephanie. And the thing that's hard about that is I would say you would almost have to look in retrospect to figure out if it had been good or bad. An example is people who bought in the height of the real estate market when there was a bubble that burst. So they bought in 2000, you know, five, six, seven, and then the, the market burst. 
at the time, they had no idea that was about to happen. Is the market about to burst now? No, I don't think so. I do think that in most of the United States, the market is going to slow. And it is because of inflation, because of what's going on in our economy, because of rates going up. But most cities still have a very low inventory of homes. So an example, again, please keep in mind, if you're not in the national market, I'm not specifically talking about your market. But in the national market, I would say that things are softening a little bit. The place I see it the most, though, is in luxury homes. So you're not going to be in a first-time home buyer. You're not going to be buying a $2 million home. And if you are, please call me. Um, (laughs) But it may mean that you're not going to be up against 20 people buying a house. So it's still a good time to buy. And it may mean that a house is listed at a little bit more than it should have been because a seller and their agent are watching the last three to six months, watching prices go up, 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 up very fast. And they haven't adjusted to go, okay, wait a minute, we're flattening slightly. I don't see, I don't see housing prices going down now to what they were less than a year ago, which was astronomical. I mean, in the last few years, housing prices have gone up in many places 32%. I mean, that would be the height, but that's, that's insane. So it's hard to say this is a great time, this is a bad time. I think it's more what's right for you personally. Do you have the things we talked about? Do you have the amount? Are you stable? Are you ready to own a home and take on, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when people say, are you ready to have a pet or, or ready to have a child? It's not just getting the cute little puppy. Let's, let's talk about that instead of a child. It's not like getting a cute little puppy and then going, okay, I really had no idea this thing was going to tear my house apart. Home, home ownership is more than just owning a home in that you have responsibility. You know, you will have things that you need to take care of and break. And are you ready to mow a lawn if you're buying a single family home? Just those kinds of things. Do you have time to do that? Or, or do you have the resources to hire somebody to do that for you? So that's, that's all things that come into play when you're considering buying a home, much, much more than the economy. And let me say something about rates. It's really um, interesting that especially in your generation, because many of you are in the market for the first time, in the housing market for the first time, and in your adult life, we have had unprecedented low rates. I mean, 2.5%, 3%, 3.5%. Even today at five, five and a half percent, those are historically very low rates. When I bought my first house in the 1980s, the rate was 11 and three quarters percent. And that was a special rate for first time home buyers. The average rate was 15%. So keep that in mind. And I think what's going to happen is people who are scared right now to purchase um, because they're going, oh, the rate's five and a half percent in a year when it's seven and a half percent or two years. They're going to go, gosh, I wish I would have bought it five and a half percent. That's why it's hard to tell you economically, looking at economic indicators, it is good or bad because there's just so too many factors. Hey, friends, I wanted to take a quick pause for my conversation with Cindy to thank our sponsor for today. Our sponsor for today's episode is an amazing company called Pros. Now, most of you have probably heard me sing the praises of Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. But for those who haven't, I wanted to tell you about the incredible results I'm seeing since using my customized Pros products. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their hair quiz, and that's how the process started for me. The quiz was so much fun. It felt like one of those magazine quizzes I used to love. It was easy, but also so in-depth. They asked me so many questions that I wouldn't have thought to answer, like how much does your hair shed, or is your hair oily at the ends or just near your scalp? So I did the hair quiz and I placed my order and just a few days later, the package showed up on my doorstep. I have a pre-shampoo mask, shampoo, and conditioner. I've been using the products for a while now and it has made such a difference. My hair feels silky and soft and looks even shinier. The other thing that I really like is that you can continuously customize your formula. They'll help you tweak things depending on your lifestyle changes or even changes in the weather. Pros is also focused on providing clean and responsible products. Every product is free of parabens, sulfates, phthalates, mineral oils, GMOs, and is always cruelty-free. Also, if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they will take back the products no question asked. But I have a feeling that won't be an issue for you. 
Friends Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Just go to pros.com slash girls night. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash girls night for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Pros, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls night. We just love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use this directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Okay, that makes so much sense. And also, you if you buy a house at like, and it's five and a half percent, and then all of a sudden next year, 
you can find another loan that's like two and a half percent, you can refinance, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you can so go if, from five and a half to two, two and a half, you better refinance. So um, it's, if it like, when you lock in a rate, like if you get a loan, whatever the rate is right now, if it goes up, that doesn't apply to you. Like your right. your rate won't go up. You'll right. still be at five and a half percent, even if it goes to 11 and a half percent. But if it does go lower, you can always like, I mean, I don't know. Ex- we've we've done this once and I don't totally understand how it works, but you can refinance, which means you can get a lower rate. That's right. So you kind of, I don't know, you kind of can't lose it's as almost much. almost nothing to lose, right. Yeah, right, yeah. Way. Okay, so if we're renting right now, how far in advance should we start looking for a home? Like how long does this process normally take? And okay. is there anything we can do to like make it as smooth as possible? Yeah, I mean, I would say if you, you just even have an inkling, oh gosh, maybe I'd like to own I would, and you probably already are if I'm talking to you and you're, <laughs> you're thinking this, I would get on um, some of the national, real, uh, realtor.com, even Zillow, which Zillow can be um, inaccurate depending on your local market. It's how they get the data fed to them. So Zillow or Redfin or whatever you like to use and start mm-hmm. looking at houses just to kind of get a feel for your market, like, oh, this is what I'm going to get for 300000 or this is what I'm going to get for 250000 or whatever. That's going to give you your first indicator of whether maybe you should get in the market or not. So, and you can do that a year before you think you're ready or six months before. But no, until you're ready, you, you know, it's not like you can go, oh, I found this house. I can't lose it. No, just, you're just playing. That's all you're doing is playing. We, we did almost do that. Uh, I think I told you that it was it was before we bought this house, but we found a house in our neighborhood that we loved and we walked through it and we're like, oh my gosh, but we hadn't done the, we hadn't figured out anything having to do with the lender. You didn't even know we were looking and Carl and I are sitting there going, it's like Sunday. Do we call Cindy and go, Cindy, can we write up an offer today for this house? You didn't even know we were looking at. We decided not to, but I well, do. There's and part I, of and me I would say, can talk to your lender? Do you have a pre-approval? And we would say, no, shoot. (laughs) Um, But so that, I mean, that's just kind of, again, it's out there. So what you really need is between, you know, I would say 60 days is about the most you really need in most markets to, from the start, when you contract a house to closing, it's typically 30 to 45 days. Okay. So you want to have enough time to begin looking that's why I'm saying 60 days. You want to know, the first question to find out is when your lease is up. First, can you get out of your lease if you need to? Secondly, when your lease is up, can you rent month to month? When you know those two answers, then you'll that'll give you an indication. If you have six months on your lease and you can't break the lease or in breaking the lease, it, the penalty is so great financially, it's not worth, worth it, then that tells you right there you need to hold on a little bit. Yeah. Um, if you find out that, well, no, we don't lease month to month. Once you're ready to get out, you're out. Then that tells you, oh, you need to back up and start looking. And if you have to pay rent and your uh, mortgage one month, then that's probably a better thing to do than to be homeless. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that you said to to start looking like well in advance because the thing that's happened since we... I mean, living in Nashville, even when we bought our first house in 2015, the market was so wild that I feel like you had to show up. And I said this then, and it like has only increased, but I feel like you have to like show up with like a suitcase of cash and just be like, hey, can we buy this house? Um, Not that we've ever had anything like that. But the reason that you have to make, like we've had to make really, really fast decisions. And I feel like the way that we've done that is by doing so much research ahead of time and looking at so many houses. Because when we walked into all three of the houses that we bought, it was pretty instant that we were like, oh, okay, this checks this box, it checks this box, it checks this box. Like, And the only reason we knew that was because we had looked at a whole bunch of houses that didn't. But I think when we when we found each house that we really liked, we knew that we couldn't sit there and think about it for a month, which is what I wanted to do because it's such a huge commitment. It's such a huge like purchase. But I think because we had done so much thinking ahead of time, that's how we felt more comfortable going, okay, like we've seen this house 
twice now and we're going to put in an offer, but it's yeah. only because we knew what else was out there. And I, and I would say, start going to open houses and just walking through. Please don't ever, if you go to an open house and you walk in and the agent that is the listing agent of that house or whoever's sitting the open house, because it's not always the agent, it can be somebody, one of their colleagues. If they ask you if you don't have an agent or are you unrepresented, and, and, you, and if you're not represented, obviously you need to be honest. You need to say, no, I'm not represented. They may try to represent you. That is not how you find your realtor. They may be a great realtor. Don't, don't hear me wrong. They may be the best in the area, but you don't want to do it just because you meet them and you like them and they're nice. Because the reason they're in that open house is try to pick up buyers. And you just, you know, again, you need to go back to your people you trust and find out who they trust rather than just going with that person. Yeah. So okay. that would be my okay. encouragement there. You know, and you don't want to go in and go, yes, help me write this offer on this house. Yeah. You need well, to have to represent you. Yeah, because they're already representing the other half. You need someone right. who's like on your, and they would be on your team if they weren't already on the other person's team. Right, right. So, okay, so... I think that this is, if if anyone listening is like me, they've watched a lot of House Hunters. And so they've like seen so many examples of like must-have lists and people, you know, wanting things and not knowing if it's realistic. And what, as we're looking for what we want, what is realistic? Like, it's really hard to think about spending $250,000 on a house and having it be something that like, we don't love. Like that's so much money. How do we figure out what what we're sort of allowed to love for our yeah, price well, okay. range? First thing I could I need to say is your first home is not going to be your dream home. It's not your forever home. The whole point of a first home and maybe even the first two or three is to build equity so you have a snowball so you can get bigger and better homes. I'm not saying bigger, better, newer, more is always the best thing. Please don't hear that. But I'm just saying you're not going to walk in and have the house you were raised in if you were raised in a, you know, four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bathroom home. So that's the first so wait, thing. Wait, pause really quick and talk to me about equity because I, like, I don't even know if I can, yes, I can maybe I'm explain it, but yeah. yeah. No, and I'm glad you asked because there's so many words that I use every day in, you know, that everybody has. Whatever your job is, you've got your vocabulary and this is one of them. So equity, when you purchase a home, let's say you put down 10%. When you, the day you close, you have 10% equity in that house, okay? As the house goes up in price, I mean, you're still living there. You're not selling it. But as it goes up in price, let's say you buy it for $250 and four years later, you sell it for $300, then the initial down payment you put in plus the mortgage amount you've paid throughout those years plus that extra 50,000, that's your equity. It's all the money that you have, I guess, made in the house. When you pay your mortgage payment, your mortgage payment is going to have principal, interest, and normally insurance because your lender is going to want you to give them the insurance money and then they'll pay your homeowner's insurance when it's due once a year. So it's the principal, what you pay into principal that becomes your equity not the other parts of it. You may start paying a, a, your loan. Let's say you're, just for conversation's sake, let's say your mortgage payment is $1,200 a month. You may be paying for the first year only $200 a month to your principal and $1,000 to interest and insurance. So again, that $200 gets racked up and in it actually gets bigger the longer your loan is because you're you're paying less uh, interest and more principal, that becomes your equity, part of your equity. Okay, so when you borrow money from a lender, the way that they make money off of you is by charging interest. And because it's, I think I, I always thought that like your interest was spread out equally over all your payments and it, so it's not, they take mm -hmm. kind of more of the money up front, but then by the time you're reaching your last payments, you're paying off more of like the actual Yeah, loan. yeah. I mean, it, it, at some point, it gets even where interest in, and, um, and your principal are about even. It's a balance. And then, and then it switches to where you're 
paying more in principal and less in interest. Yeah. I mean, I, not many of you are ever going to own a house the life of the loan if you have a 30-year loan or even a 15-year loan. But yes, that's how it works. You pay more interest to begin with as you go on. So here's a little trick. If you want to get more equity, pay more to principal. So every month when you make out your mortgage check for $1,200, add an extra $200 for principal. That will help gain that equity. And But you have to put on your I'm sorry, you're going to do it online, on your memo online um, through your through your lender. You're going to have to, I mean, through your bank, however you pay your bills, you need to put in there 200 toward principal or okay. extra 200 towards principal so that they know that that's where that money goes and they don't just apply it to the next payment. Because you don't want the, to, for interest, you want to, you want to be go to the paying down your principal, right? I think it's like the the best way that it's made sense to me is like if you picture your house and you own 10% at the beginning, you really own 10% of it at the beginning because that was what your down payment was. You own like the bathroom. <laughs> like that is yeah, your yeah. bathroom. Like you're not paying it off anymore. It is your bathroom. And so little by little, you're owning more and more and more of the house. Um, and then so then when you go to sell it, like that's, it kind of feels like putting mon money in like a house bank account yeah, is like kind of how I think about it. Well, you know, owning a house or owning owning your home is the fastest, best way to build wealth because you are, you. it is a savings account in that way. And if you're paying extra principal, whether it's monthly or yearly, however you want to do it, there's a hundred ways to do it, to pay extra principal. But if then it really is a bank account, it's a bank account you can't withdraw from, which is really helpful. It's not like you can go, oh, wait a minute, I want that $200 back. Uh -uh, yeah. Sorry, once the lender has it, yeah, it's there. But so it's, it is, that's, that's a great way to look at it. We, um, for our house, I think we rounded up our payment, what it was like, something in the, like $60 or something like that. And so we added... 40s just to make the number round because Carl's the kind of person that like likes to put the exact amount of gas in the car. You know, he likes the numbers to be round when you're like filling up your gas tank. Uh -huh. So he did that with our mortgage payment, which is just nuts. But when you look at like sort of the overall payoff calendar, because we pay, you know, $40 extra a month, it we've sa we're saving so much over the life of the loan. And it's that's like that's right. $40 that we'll never, like we never will have thought about that, you know? Right. And there, there are, you can go on, you can either download an app through your favorite app store, or you can go online and you can look at mortgage calculators and you can play with it. You can look at what is called an amortization schedule. And that shows you, let's say you do a $200,000 loan for 30 years at 6%. You put in all those, that data, and, and usually they'll ask for down payment. And then they'll give you, this is what you're going to pay at the beginning. And they'll, they'll take you through every month for 30 years. It's painful if you want to really look at it all. But you can start to see where the break even is. And then you can play with it and go, well, what if I pay an extra, you know, like you said, $40 in interest a month? What will that do to my interest? And then watch the interest. And it's amazing how much you're saving. And it'll usually tell you, this is what you saved of the life of your loan by doing that. Again, you're not going to own your house for 30 years more than likely, but it gives you an idea of how much that little bit extra is helping you. Yeah, yeah. And so you, so the hope is that you, you know, you have that 10% that you put down initially, you have the little bit that you're contributing every single month as you pay your mortgage, and then you have the house, you know, growing in value over the time that you own it. And so then by the time you sell it, all of that money that you've that you put in and that you've also made gets to go either into your pocket or if you want to buy another house, um, that gets to be your down payment, which means that you have a much bigger down payment than you would have had at the beginning. Yeah, that's exactly right. And again, that's how you build wealth. You keep taking that and snowballing it. And really, <laughs> we've really seen this in the past year with the stock market, that real estate has gone up, up and up and up, and the stock market has gone down and down and down. So it it once again is just a really good reminder that over years, because obviously sometimes the stock market is going insanely high, but over years, real estate is a really, really good investment. So one of the things I encourage people to do, yes, you're, you're buying a home to live in. It's your home, but always remind, remind yourself that it's an investment. It's the largest investment you own. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, okay, so now that we've talked about equity, 
what is realistic for us to look for in a house? Like, Oh, yes. That was our original question. Linda. That was our original <laughs> question. I totally took us off course. So I really think it depends on, again, your local market and what you can expect there. Um, I'll tell clients when I'm working with them that what I want is their basics. How many bedrooms, bathrooms, kind of what they guess square footage. Uh, that they want, yard, no yard, you know, whatever, just kind of the basics. And they will, they can, I will tell them, you can give me your dream list, but I'm going to only slightly look at it because that, you know, what you want on paper and what you end up loving can be very different. And so what I'll tell people is work with me. Let me take you through 10 houses. I watch how you respond to a house and I know what you need. I mean, now, most agents can do that and you can do it yourself. When you walk into a home and the home has tons of windows and it's a sunny day and light is spilling, does, do, you, do you feel like your soul lift? I mean, that's, I don't mean to sound spiritual, but there's a, there's a component to that. When you, are you a great cook? Do you love to cook? Is that what's more important to you? And then the master bathroom needs to be renovated in a few years. Cool, let's go with the kitchen. You're gonna figure that out when you go in houses and let me say, if you're married, they won't necessarily be the same thing. Your husband may respond to things differently than you. And then you, that's a great thing in marriage. I, I tell people, yes, I'm a realtor and marriage counselor. Um, I've done a lot of marriage counseling in my car. <laughs> okay, let's get y'all <laughs> on the same page. That's just the goal. So yeah, uh, you, you'll figure that out. And, and again, it has to do with your, your price range. It may not be realistic in your price range that you're going to get granite in the kitchen. Maybe you need to buy a house that has really good bones or other features that you love, and you know that you saved for a couple of years and you put in granite yourself. You know, that also builds your equity, by the way. Even though you're spending money, it's going to make your house have more value. It's what they call sweat equity. I love that. I love that. Um, and I love the idea of, you know, really like, figuring out what's important to you and important for your life. And and it's different for everybody. Like, it, it, you know, how you use your house is, is, is different for everybody. And so some people, it may be really important to them to have a really good dining room to host this giant family that they have over every Sunday. And then some people may be like, I legitimately don't cook. Like, I need a fridge and a microwave and that's it. Um, and so you can kind of make decisions accordingly. But I also really love the the reminder that this is not probably the last house that you'll own. And this is a step and an important step in in the direction of a house that will feel more like a dream home to you. Right, exactly. Um, but you don't, start, you don't start there. But it's by buying your first house that you're able to buy your second house and your second house that you're able to buy your third house. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and that's kind of how it grows. Can you tell us the thing about 80... Do you say 80-20... That it like, or no, you do 80, 10, 10. Oh, about my, 80. my formula, 80, 10, 10. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea where I came up with this, but I know it wasn't original. So I stole it from someone, but I don't know who. I don't know if I read it somewhere or somebody told it to me, but but when I'm working with clients, um, I tell them there's a formula to buy a house and that's 80, 10, 10. And here's what it is. 80% of the house you love, 10% you can change and 10% you can live with. If you're married, your 80-10-10 does not have to be the same. He may go, I can live with this. And you're like, well, I can change this. Okay. I would say if you find a house that's 80-10-10, especially in your first house, it's a really good house for you. If you find 90-10, buy it. Because even if you were to have the resources to build what you think is your dream home within six months, there would be things you'd want to change. And I have experienced that because I've built a few homes. And there's always that, oh, we should have done this instead of that. Or next time, let's do this and not that. So 801010, it's a really, really helpful tool just to kind of help you go, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's good enough and we're going to like it and it's going to fit our needs right now. And that's what you're looking for. I love that. That's really helpful. So I want to ask you, as we're going through this process, I mean, there are parts of it that are really discouraging. You know, when we first 
when we bought our first house, we were both, I mean, we still are, but we were both self-employed. And so like, we don't look like a great gamble (laughs) to um, someone looking to lend us money. And so that was tricky. And like, you know, just gathering the necessary paperwork, that's tricky. But then especially there were a couple of houses that we fell in love with when we first started looking that we lost out on. And that's really, that's really discouraging. And so do you have just any like, encouragement that we can take with us, uh, you know, for the discouraging moments of this journey? Well, first thing I can say is if you get really discouraged and you need to tell your agent, I'm, we need a month to not do anything to emotionally break from this, then take it. Tell them that. Um, most agents will understand, um, especially if they have been in a market that is really hard. The second thing in, is, and you know, I wish I could say I could guarantee this, but I can't. But I have found, I I can almost say without exception, that when my clients have lost out on a house or two or three or four or five, the house they end up purchasing is better than anything that they had looked at previously. And I don't know why that happens. I don't know if their needs change or they get more realistic or I don't know what it is, but but the house they eventually purchase kind of makes the other ones fall away. And again, that may not always be true. It may be just from my perspective, because I'm going, oh no, this actually meets what you need more. Um, it can also be that they've, they've raised their um, maximum or what they're going to willing, willing to pay. Because uh, most people try to start really low, which is okay. I, I actually encourage people to do that and just bump it up when you have to. Um, more than anything, when you purchase a house, you want to make sure that the house doesn't own you, but that you own the house. You don't want to ever be house poor. Um, I'll tell my young clients, you, you want to make sure that you can still, you know, go and hang out with your friends or, you know, have people over for dinner or order pizza because you don't want to cook. You just don't want to be where everything goes in your house and, um, you know, you suffer for it, basically. You end up hating your house in that case. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I like that. You know, I, that's totally been true for us that anything that we missed out on, it, it was a bummer, but I mean, that's how you learn what's really important to you. I feel like I'm kind of talking about dating right now. I'm like, this yeah, also bit, right? to dating, yes. <laughs> um, and job searches, I would say. That's um, funny. But uh, yeah, that you end up figuring out more of what you want. And there really are so many houses in the in the world that, um, and, the, and the inventory continues to change. It changes every single That's right. day. And so there may be a dream house that just isn't, you may be like, there's nothing, you know, nothing's working out. It's like, well, I mean, the house that you're going to buy isn't on the market yet, but it will be in two weeks. So keep looking. Right, right. Exactly. Um, again, I would say that's also true for dating, but that Specifically for online dating. (laughs) Um, Okay, Cindy, is there anything else, just as we're finishing up, is there anything else that you really want first-time home buyers to know? Like just any sort of last tip that you can slip to us as we're on our way? You know, I I can say that if you believe in God, if you pray, you need to pray about this purchase. You need to ask God for wisdom. Um, I am a firm believer that he will grant you wisdom. I pray for all of my clients, whether I'm buying or selling. I pray for the family that's going to buy their house if they're selling it, uh, because I want everything to work. I want both sides to feel like they're getting exactly what they want. And uh, I want God to be glorified through the process personally um, so that'd be the the main thing. The second thing is make sure you trust your team and your team is your, really mainly your lender and your realtor. You have to trust that they're giving you good advice. Always that you can trust them. So those would be the most important yeah. things. I love that. And I think, you know, we've we've seen that along the way, just the way that our housing journey has worked out. And you know, I think it's it might seem like a selfish thing to ask God for a house, especially if it's beautiful. You know, it's like, I feel like we can feel okay asking for a roof over our head, but we shouldn't ask for more than that. But I think that home is a really important thing and that the most important most important parts of life happen in, in homes. That's where we gather. That's where we have relationships. That's where we spend time with Him. So it just, that I mean, sort of anecdotally, I've gotten to see that God really cares about where we live and He... Like, he's really answered our prayers. And so I just believe the millions are yours too. Um, Cindy, thank you so much for for 
walking us through this and for walking women through this. We're going to link to all of your stuff in the show notes so that people can connect with you. And I just, I'm just, I just love you. And I'm so glad to get to talk to you. I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being on the show. All right. Thank you, Stephanie, for asking. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take just a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the show. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take a quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who have left those beautiful five-star reviews already. It means the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. I'll see you then.